0: This is an official download
1: from TheCustardTV.com Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of The Custard TV podcast. Apologies in advance because this week's episode is being edited by me, Matt, so it'll probably be the longest one that we've ever put out. Uh, Joining me today we have um, in her new house, Sarah Kennedy. How are you, Sarah?
2: Very well, thank you. Yep. Still still surrounded by boxes and dust, but um, I'm enjoying every minute of it.
1: And uh, for the second time on the podcast from the Coastal News podcast, we've got Sai Hampton in the Manchester area. How are you, Si?
3: Hello, I'm very well, thank you. I'm a little starstruck coming on this episode today because I... Understand, I'm with the self-proclaimed queen of the podcast, here, Sarah. <laughs> so I'm honoured. Thanks for having me back.
2: <laughs> You're very welcome. Hey, I don't think it was just self-proclaimed. I think Luke was trying to flatter me as well. I, I would, I'll take Luke's blessing. <laughs> so, maybe Same queen way. of the podcast just means woman who turns up the most. Yes.
1: This week in 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 the UK, we've had gorgeous weather. It's been far too hot, but um, we were saying um before we start recording that it's it's gone a bit gloomy hasn't it sarah certainly for me and you
2: yeah proper grim out there it's absolutely the day to stay in do a podcast watch some tv Mm. don't go out guys why would you go out also sad times for everyone who thought that maybe a picnic or a barbecue would be nice today
1: Mm. yeah heart
2: goes out to them
1: have you been enjoying the sunshine guys or have you done anything outdoors
2: Um, I sat in the kids' paddling pool yesterday I don't think I've ever done that as an adult It's never appealed to me But I was so hot, I was like, I'm getting in this bad boy
1: Did you ask first? Or did
2: you just like move I was invited, I didn't just go and like Sit on a child
0: This could be a podcast Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, Definitely not, anyone with a computer can make one
1: This is the Custard TV Podcast
0: Yes, that would entertain me briefly
1: From
2: thecustardtv.com
1: coming up on the podcast this week we've got new channel 4 drama suspect we have got the Lazarus project which is a new sci-fi time travel thing from sky also on sky we've got their first um Italian language drama blocko 181 and from Netflix we have new comedy God's favorite Idiots*, starring Melissa McCarthy uh, but first, Uh, Sai, do you want to just talk us through uh, your podcast, just in case people aren't aware of it, didn't listen last time you were on the show?
3: Sure, yeah, thank you. Um, So, Coastal News, um, aptly named after the Summer Bay fictional newspaper, we're a home and away um, episode discussion podcast, Know Your Market, a bit niche um but yes um fans of the show we get together on a friday night we open a bottle and we talk through the week take the mic and and have a giggle so that's us
1: <laughs> and you've got the australian soap monopoly now i suppose as well yeah, yeah elbowed
3: elbowed <laughs> by <about> the way
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> slightly slightly sad news even though i haven't watched yeah. it in about 10 years it's, it's it's something that's always nice to know it's there i suppose a bit like home in a way Sarah's it's naughty. a little
3: comforting, you know, both shows because they're quite um, different to the UK soaps, I guess. They're, they're a good bookend to the day, you know, put the telly on, get tea going and just have a bit of escapism. So it is sad. Yeah. Mm.
1: And Sarah, any fond neighbours memories?
2: Yes, I was always a neighbours girl, never got into Home and Away. Um on, I'm rolling just... my sleeves up. Okay, all right. <laughs> Can we just appreciate like the cast photo um, that they did on the last day of filming Neighbours, and how hot yeah. Toadie still is? Very <laughs> pleased with that.
1: Talk <laughs> about niche. That's certainly a. I think there you go, a niche
2: see, take. I can go niche <laughs> on niche, baby. <laughs> was
1: it? Was it sort? Of, has it always been Toadie or is it sort of when he sort of got rid of the the dreads and? Um,
2: oh no, I liked both. <laughs> I wasn't into the clean-cut Jason Donovan types. Well, maybe a little bit, but certainly I was more interested in Toadie when he was... He was—he did was... I remember the House of Trouser, and I'm assuming that he was kind of the bad boy with the, the good heart all the way through, wasn't he? I don't think he was ever a bad
1: boy, really. He was sort of like comic relief, wasn't he?
2: Okay, fine. I'll, I'll take that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds like my kind of guy.
1: Um, But, yeah, I mean, I sort of with more neighbours than home and away as well I si. sorry so sort of bit... it's just a nightmare just
2: a i nightmare. did watch
1: it back in i think it's when it moved to channel five because i do remember it watching it when it was on itv because you sort of did both in a row if i remember
3: yeah well there was a big gap you see there was like a big when it moved to channel five it went off for ages because there was some legal problem so lots of people didn't probably pick it up then like yourself. But Home No was more always more dangerous. Neighbours was always, you know,
1: bouncer's dream and
3: a bit <laughs> lighter. <laughs> yeah. For me yeah. neighbour neighbours was uh, home and away, sorry, you know, it was like can't tell your parents you were watching it.
1: <laughs> Sarah, in terms of your um latest articles, where can we read you?
2: Um I am at whynow.co.uk. Bit light this month, must admit. Not a lot to read. Um, because I've been moving house. <laughs> And also, um, don't tell telly, but I've been cheating on telly with lots of other entertainment forms. I've been out watching stand up comedy. I've been out uh, drinking. I've been out gigs.
1: Is drinking an
2: entertainment form? (laughs) That's who you go out with. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've just been very busy enjoying being back in the city that I love.
1: That's good. Um, But yeah, I would recommend your piece on It's a Royal Knockout if you haven't read that yet.
2: That was so much fun to write
1: um okay so let's uh, get going and we will start with uh suspect which is when you listen to this we'll have almost all been on it's on uh two episodes a night sunday to wednesday on channel four and sarah will just quickly talk us through the basics of suspect
2: james nesbitt um as a um uh gravelly cop you know i mean it's it's classic james says but it couldn't have been anybody else um he is um he goes into the forensics lab because he's looking for detail on a cold case and the twist comes hard out of nowhere there's a corpse on the table who is that corpse it is his daughter who he's had a a very strange relationship with and hasn't seen in a number of years. Um And like very stylish, so stylish. Um, The credits, the music, the lighting may as well be the word atmosphere written in 12 foot high letters. It's so close to the platonic ideal of a Walter Presents show. So embedded in the genre that the the credits especially are almost a send up of itself. And I was like, what am I watching? And then you realize that it's a two-hander it's the the whole episode is like a bottle episode we stay locked in this room um while Danny the James Nesbitt character demands answers in literally in forensic detail about what's happened to his daughter and unflinching he just takes it he just listens and he takes it and the um the pathologist is Joey Richardson um they've got a relationship they know each other you know it could be even be a sort of um romantic relationship at some point um and he is determined that this can't possibly be suicide and she's telling him that it is. Um, This is weird, unsettling, a really strange beast, but it's also slow and confident. It uses silence really well. It's beautifully shot. It looks just like your standard dark cop thriller, but then that twist is sensational and then they stay in that twist for so long. It's just baffling. At the same time though i found it very over the top and very big very dramatic like almost um a play or like a telenovela but to me it didn't quite slip over into silliness um it was definitely intriguing and i'm really glad that they're putting it on as two episodes a night because the second episode really sort of gave you the format this is what's going to happen he's going to go into a location, he's going to meet someone connected with his daughter, and they are going to be in that closed set for the full length of the show. And it is dark and brooding and it's unflinching. It's, uh, well, basically by the end of episode two, I'm hooked. Whatever's happening, I don't quite understand, but I really want to find out more. Um, So for the first episode, it was Jolie Richardson um, who, you know, was the, the two hander with him. And then um Neve Alga is uh Nicola um in the second episode, um, who is sneaking out of Christina's house, definitely has stolen something. Um and actually it's not just a friend, it's her girlfriend and it's not just her girlfriend, it's her wife. And we get to find that out over the course of the episode. Um yeah, it's Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I'd love to find out what you guys thought of it.
1: In- interesting you say it looks like a water present show because it is actually adapted from a Danish show. I don't know if you're aware of that. Um, called the the basic translation is Face to Face, which sort of makes sense. Um,
2: That's the- more of a giveaway than the title that they've given it. This is like Criminal, the, the, the mm. version that they... The version? The versions they did for Netflix because that wasn't that sort of three different European countries that use the same set Mm -hmm. with the same small cast and it was a a case per week yeah that was again that was incredible casting same here the the the, um advert shows we've got uh, amazing people who are going to turn up in this
1: yeah as you say those like atmospheric opening credits where you just see they show you all the actors even though they're not going to be in the episode it was
2: a little bit touch of cloth wasn't it i was (laughs) like am i (laughs) this is is this a drama or a comedy? I'm not sure what I'm watching. Just because it was so intense, they they'd really amped it all the way up to eleven.
1: I mean, it had a for me, it had a bit of who do you think you are about it when you see who's going to be in the um, yeah, episodes and they do a little pose. <laughs> Sorry, so, what did you make of suspect?
3: Well, I also it's funny you say when Sarah just mentioned weird. I wrote the word weird down because I didn't know how I was feeling. You know, watching the mm. first episode, I thought. This is a bit simple in terms, you know, stripped back, Mm -hmm. you know, sense of the word. I thought there's no big, you know, murder scene at the top of the episode. There's no big party where something's gone wrong. We're straight in. And then the twist that you talk about where, you know, his daughter is the corpse was really early on. And I thought Mm. this at one point I thought, am I am I I watching like episode four or something? You know, like I had to double check. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause i was thinking no surely not it's a, it's, it was all like you say almost two-hander in the entire episode and i thought that's that's a brave risk because and it's only names like like james nesbitt who could do that you know what i mean if that if they weren't amazing actors in that first episode of you know you'd be struggling to carry it you know like yeah. you say the performance was so big it needed to be because there was just the two of them for most of it. Um, so, so I, so I, I didn't know how I felt about it. It makes sense now. You say it's on back to back, like two episodes a night, because the second episode, you rightly say, is where you start getting a bit of of, of the background of, of of the daughter and what kind of life she has and and the relationship between father and daughter um, was was far from from harmonious um and that's the stuff i was sort of wanted but i just it was very strange what did you guys think about the vote the ghost um well, i was you know, just the weird
2: gonna say that that little sort of like what seems to be repeating <laughs> ghost moment at the end of every episode was the only thing that was just a bit like oh come on guys <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, it wasn't just like a
1: ghost was it it was sort of like visions because it was like trying to encourage him or it was the first time we saw it was when he was trying to find a door out of the um the pathology lab and it's like clearly there's another door there <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah the one exactly. they've all been the using <laughs> apparition of your daughter to sort of and was it the second one when he was knocked out and on the floor that he saw That's right.
0: Yeah. so it's yeah.
1: always it's almost like a sort of inco- it, it's less like a ghostly presence more of i suppose in his mind isn't it in his like yeah. a dreamlike thing.
2: Yeah, well, it, it seems that if they had seen each other in real life, they wouldn't have talked to each other because their relationship was so bad. She kicked out of home, age 15. It's really interesting, though, because as we find out details of her life from these people who are untrustworthy, I'm not sure whether that's true or not.
3: Yeah, this is that you don't know what to trust. At, at the centre of it is that classic whodunit, um, but it's just an interesting way to tell it. You know, every episode is going to be set, like you say, in that one room um the third one we're off to the strip club where she she's got links to you know so every it's, it's an interesting way to tell it i think um it's a, it's a well worn a well trodden track you mm. know cop too close to the the investigation you know he's got personal you know personal reasons to be invested in it and, and it's getting in the way of, of his judgement that that that's been done over and over before but this way of telling it Sort of like you say, it's like a play every time. It's a different set. It's, it's a new set set up every time, and mm. we're in a different location. And we'll, we we'll, I imagine we'll learn something extra. Um, the more people we meet every episode.
1: And as you say, Sai, like you get the where we're going next from. So you know when we're in the mm. pathology lab, we know we're going to her flat, and then we know we're going to the strip club next. And I would yeah. assume that they give you a little clue of where it's moving to. Um. And, and I suppose as well, you say it's sort of like this well-worn trope, the sort of police officer he is as well. He is like this schlubby sort of journeyman officer or detective, isn't he? He's sort of very much, can you just go and identify this body for us? Can you just go and do this? You know, he's not like an ace cop or something like that, very much estranged, as you say, from his daughter, probably estranged from life just generally at this point. And yeah, yeah. maybe solving this will give him something to do, but obviously there's the higher ups going, no, she committed suicide, it's an open and shut case, she wasn't murdered, move on sort of thing. So that's it, him trying to keep one step ahead. I agree with you guys in terms of, I think that second episode opened it up a l- little bit more. Neve Algar is an actress who is absolutely spellbinding, I think, and I think her interactions with, with Nesbit. Whereas like the the scenes with Jolie Richardson were a little bit colder, a little bit more standoffish. I suppose that may be the relationship between the characters, which we never quite know what their relationship is, do we? We never really get a handle, as you said, Sarah, whether they were romantically involved or not, or they've had some sort of falling out, but there was some level of tension there. But the Nival Gar thing, finding out his daughter got married and he didn't even know about it, I thought that was a really good scene, him watching that video, that sort of cat and mouse game that they were playing throughout, and it did. And it, I found and,
2: it was especially affecting when they sort of called a truce and sat on the sofa and shared that cigarette. I was like, yeah. nothing was happening, but I was riveted. Yeah, and same.
1: Then, yeah, and then they had that hug and it's like, no, I'm, you know, I, I, I know you're up to something and... So the, the police instincts sort of, you know, kicked in again. And I, I think part of the appeal maybe is to see how Nesbitt plays against every one of these actors. And that's why we are seeing that, you know, how is he going to play off against Richard E. Grant or um, Anne-Marie Duff? And I think it's a definite recommend all around here. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And Si, is this a
3: powwow job for you as well? I think so. Yeah. Just because there's so many
1: questions and you know you want answers moving on to something i'm really interested to to know what you guys made made of it the Lazarus project but i will do my best to set this up normally i've got about a paragraph of setup here i've got three paragraphs of setup and if i miss anything please let me know but i've, try, I've tried my best here so this is a new sky Drum. it's written by joe barton who bought us um giri haji a few years ago Um, on on BBC. Uh, It stars Papa Essie Adu as an app developer, George. Um, At the start of the episode, he is about to get a bank loan for his latest innovation. It's an app around predicting financial um, changes in the marketplace, which sort of companies to invest in. He gets the loan, celebrates with his girlfriend, Sarah, and then we get a sort of this is what happens sort of in the next six months. Uh, she gets pregnant, they get married. This is set on the backdrop of a new pandemic, the MERS virus. This is sort of post COVID, they do reference COVID as well in this. Um, we then see Sarah getting ill. She's at the hospital, heavily pregnant. And then George suddenly w- wakes up again. It's the, it's the 1st of July. It's where we started the the episode. He then goes full Richard Dreyfus in Closing Cats of the Third Kind because he remembers what happened before. Why am I reliving the same day again? This time, he doesn't get the loan because he's the, the guy at the bank's going, what are you going on about? I've never met you before. Sarah is, I can't live with you anymore. I'm moving out. He then meets this mysterious stranger called Archie who says... Are you experiencing these time jumps? Are you remembering them? If you do it again, come back to me. So when it happens again, he comes back to her. She explains to him that um, the world keeps jumping back. and uh, This is caused by the Lazarus Project, who she works for. They are a, and this is verbatim what she says, a top secret organisation preventing mass extinction events via diplomatic, scientific or mili- militaristic means. Um, and they can make time go backwards. She explains the world has ended several times. The first time was in 1963, uh, during the Cold War. Uh, the most recent was uh, when the world de- failed to develop a vaccine for this MERS virus. So they create these time jumps every time they realize the world's about to end. She, said, she tells him that it's sort of a bit like a checkpoint in a video game, um, where when they make that decision, they put, the, put things back a year. Current checkpoint is the 1st of July 2022, but when they succeed, they move things on a year. The next checkpoint becomes 1st of July 2023. George is recruited to join the Lazarus Project. It's overseen by uh, Caroline Quentin, who plays Wes, uh, contains a handful of people who, like Archie, have been recruited for their skills in the police force or the military. There's someone similar to George who has also got these sort of mutated cells in that they remember every time jump. He's called Shiv. He is very haunted because this has been happening to him since he was young. Um, the first mission that George takes part of is to investigate the theft of a nuclear missile. Uh, by a guy called Revrov, who is a former member of the Lazarus Project, who's now gone rogue. Uh, But then tragedy tragedy strikes and George has to decide between his loyalty to the Lazarus Project and getting back the thing he cares about most. Um, So I'll go to you on this one first. What did you think of the Lazarus Project?
3: I really enjoyed this, you know. I I quite like a bit of uh, sci-fi as well um very um what was that one with tom cruise that he did years ago where they were doing crimes before
1: edge of tomorrow
3: yeah so it reminded me a bit of that um and yeah really good you know um i mean caroline quentin as well caroline quentin she can't do wrong for me (laughs) but you know the um you know he sort of learns about the lazarus project um and um basically he's enrolled he sort of accepts that pretty quick it's sort of, for me I thought oh this is sort of escalated quickly bit of the groundhog day at the beginning as you've explained you know and a bit, bit like 51st first dates like what's going on here <laughs> and then and then we get to to that bit where he learns about the Lazarus project and he just sort of accepts it and then rolls onto his mission and he gets stuck in I thought you know I, I thought he might have sort of had a few more questions really i don't know but i just felt like that went a bit fast for me that that part and then before we know it he's in france and he's he's defeating rebrov um, or not um so but it's, so it sort of became a bit of an action film then um and i started to switch i must say i started to switch off a bit at this point because that's not my thing normally um you know cars flying and crashing and things so um then the end the hook you know you, that you need on that first episode at the very end you know there's this love rivalry going on isn't there with his wife and somebody at work mm-hmm. and you know he's jealous he's, you know he's, he's the main character he's jealous of him yeah and there's this incident where before the time, because there was a time jump, wasn't there, because he didn't win, he didn't win the de- defeat yeah. River of in Paris. So before that, he saves his wife from being run over um, after an argument with said love rival PE teacher. And second time round, he's, he, he's, he's, he's dropped the ball a bit on it. And we don't know the fate of his wife, but I imagine we're now going to go down a route which I'm really going to be interested in now, which is... So the hook works. Is he going to choose to try and save his wife for personal gain? Or is he going to ch- save the world and forfeit this life he wants with his wife? That's going to be the big battle in his mind. And I think that's going to be a really interesting watch. So just as they were about to lose me, that that that's my reason to stick about with this.
1: It's almost like a bit of a morality play, isn't it? And I think
0: the yeah.
1: views of those characters that he might have, um, thought you know there's that character Shiv who is that sort of haunted character and this character Revrov as well Tom Burke who I'm assuming becomes a lot more prominent because he's quite a big name Um, again has gone rogue and possibly the reasons behind that uh, Sarah what about you with the, the Lazarus project?
2: Well you know that deep down I'm not really a big fan of sci-fi and I did think that this was going to be hard sci-fi because Halfway through the synopsis, I was already confused. (laughs) Um, Fortunately, the show is far easier to understand and far more appealing. I think Papa, as I do, does a cracking job um, as sort of like humanising this strange nonsense that's happening to him. But my absolute standout favourite was Archie. Um, I wrote down, oh look, he's got his very own Doctor Who to explain things to him in a sassy fashion. Um, And I was thinking that she reminded me of Yasmin, but she's actually, she was Rani in the Sarah Jane adventures. She's uh, Anjali Mahindra, and I want to see a lot more of her. So when I thought that she'd been shot in the head in France, I nearly turned the TV off. (laughs) I was done. (laughs) I give you the lines that I liked the most, um, that she just seems to have all of the best lines. I'm hoping that Caroline Quentin's character gets some more good lines as well. She said... George, you've been searching for something. Time travel, time loops, time jumps, Tim jumps. I'm pretty sure the last one was a typo. (laughs) I was fully on board at that point. Um, And then when she's trying to explain the system to him, which I think she does rather well because it is very complicated. um, She also says something about do you have a degree in quantum physics? No, well, it's not worth yeah. telling you exactly how this happens. Would I
1: thought that was a way out of explaining it to the audience.
2: Extremely clever way. Yeah, absolutely. Doing that yeah. Because we don't want to get bogged down in that right now. We've got enough to think about. Um, she also says, you know, she is uh, Asian, he's a black guy. She says, he says, so you can't use it to go back to London in the 1800s. She says, I'm a brown woman. Why the fuck would I want to? <laughs> Again, priceless really funny um yeah no i realized that something bad was going to happen when i liked being in the company of this time travel scooby gang i was like hang on a minute they're getting me to like these people therefore everybody's going to end up dead pretty soon (laughs) but because of the nature of this if it all goes tits up and rebrov does press the button on this nuke in the middle of paris um then they call it code black and somehow they they take us back six months back to the summer. Um, but the one thing that George realises just before he's caught up with the stuff that then happens to his wife is that if his friends die in a successful mission, they stay dead. So that's quite an interesting sort of morality point there as well, I thought.
1: Well, they do go through that, don't they, in that scene where Archie does the exposition dump and he says, you know, what about 9 what about these wars and she says well unless the world ends then we you know it's about managing that risk and managing how many people we're going to lose sort of
2: yeah we're not just stopping random general bad things it's only the one bad thing that we stop
1: and actually Um, i was just gonna say in there they also mentioned that they were responsible for the covid vaccine and i was like i'm so i'm sure that was dolly parton
2: yeah (laughs) yeah they said what was it he was like, why didn't you stop COVID? She said, um, you, got a you, vaccine, th- you got a vaccine months. in nine months. How do you yeah. think they did it? Um, which is fine. And I, it's honourable, I think, that they mentioned that. But, my God, I don't want to see an airborne pandemic fictionalised yet, thank you. Not even for a moment. I didn't enjoy that first part at all. It was far too close to home and it's too soon and I don't like it. And I see why they're doing it because it's a reference, a, a, a reference point that maybe four years ago was only ever in sci-fi, but now it's something that we've lived through. But just, they just—they need to be very sensitive with that, and I'm not sure that they were.
1: And I—I I think, um, Sayun, so you put the nail on the head here there, where you said it felt quite rushed, that there there was a lot to get through in, you know that it's a lot of information to take in within about 45 minutes, Um, that we didn't really spend a lot of time with George and and, um, Sarah until we had the first jump. And I I think his sort of willingness to sort of go with the Lazarus project was that he had that second time jump where he went crazy and nobody wanted to know him. So maybe it was that... I may as well trust in these people who are, who know what I'm going through, you know, and, and he did have that set of skills that he, they needed because he was involved in creating this app where it was sort of predicting the future. So that was like neat, lit, 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 neat and tidy.
2: Yeah, I he's think- already looks like he's got the brain for looking at patterns in data, hasn't he, mm. which is what these I guess technically yeah. they're sort of security experts, which is what a lot of them do. Um and then, you know, they they had to have the the Team America training montage to make him into a a field agent, but he'd already sort of got the brain and the experience because he knew that this was a, this was real. This had happened to him and he could remember it all.
0: Here in Key West, we were out they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, his transition to
3: field was, was rapid, wasn't it? It was just Wes going, yeah, you're a field agent now. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Off I go. <laughs> the, yeah. i that's the sort of actiony scenes as well, side that you mentioned. They felt like very video game-ish to me. Yeah. You know, it was. I, I mean, I I'm of an age. I remember when Doom was the big thing, and you know, mm. going into these small corridors with big guns. That sort of took me back to that. It was it was quite video gamey, just generally. Into that, you know, she mentions it is like a video game there was bits where the tone sort of so you know you mentioned Sarah the airborne virus and then we get little cute moments like him singing it's the end of the world as we know it by REM on karaoke and um, I think that it will become a different beast in that second episode as you said si. I think as well Sarah to your point what I, I was reading that he'd initially had this idea about six years ago pre-covid and mm. um, but obviously decided to go ahead and have the virus in there and have reference to the virus we've just been through because definitely that is people's biggest fear that we're going to have to go through that again but you know I think it was done in a way where it was part of an opening montage rather than handled sort of sensitively but I think we've gone from that now and it's going to be more about nuclear war and what's gonna happen with his partner. Yeah, I
2: don't I don't want to see that again. That is no. the time loop I do not want to get stuck in myself. The Tim Loop that I'm not down with. <laughs> um I yeah. was just making one point about the um the action because, like Cy, si, I'm not asked, that's not my kind of thing at all really. Um but the did they call him the Dane? The guy yes. who, who has mm. to sort of sit and watch the feed and, and you know work out what's happening. He did say I think George was like, Oh, oh this is fun, isn't it? And he's like, no, I wake at night, at night screaming in terror because it's not a computer game. It's real. He is sending his friends into this where they're going to get shot with, like, high-powered rifles. Um, also, I did like how George um, was very relatable, especially in that chase, because he's just scared. He's clinging on for dear life. He's just scared. He doesn't want these sort of crazy car flips and... You know, high speed chases to happen because it's it's mad. Nobody would want to be involved in that, and he has to be encouraged to to shoot the bad guy.
1: Mm. I mean, I thought you, when you were going through your favourite lines, it would be Sarah's first line in it, where she says to him, "If I show you my tits, will you make me some toast before you go?" But <laughs> there you
2: go. <laughs> no, to be fair, that was that was definitely in the top three. <laughs> disappointed we didn't get to see those tits oh shit am i allowed to say that out loud
1: i think tits yes yeah, shit maybe not
3: <laughs> i think where we go from here on this one though is uh, uh, is is for me the more interested bit now we've got all that as you say action nonsense out of the way um he's got 12 months to basically go rogue and try and end the world to save his wife so what's he going to choose i think i think Um, that's worth watching.
2: Oh no, guys, do we think she's dead? Like, really properly actually Uh, dead? Because I can't deal with yet another rogue widow on TV. There's so many (laughs) of them. widow widow (laughs) widower. Everything is motivated by being a widow or a widower. And I honestly I feel like I've missed the boat on this one. Like, I was widowed last year. I haven't gone rogue and tried to end the world, and I feel like that time frame has now closed for me.
1: Or tried to go on a on a heist, which I no, which I haven't know.
2: done a heist. No, I haven't no. done like, I haven't created a weird thing to um, stop people remembering what's happening, like in Severance. You know, I haven't even sort of like punched the air and gone no in like you know classic police procedurals. <laughs> I've wasted my time.
1: You've just moved just, house.
2: That's... I've just been I've, yeah, I've just been living a normal life.
1: <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> you no. Know?
2: I'm sorry to everybody out there, who, <laughs> widowed or widowers, or anyone who's lost someone and hasn't punched the air in grief.
1: I, I suppose to play devil's advocate though, if if you're a writer who hasn't been through that, then it seems like the best motivation yeah. to have that sort of gray that gray moral area of what do I? Yeah, do I next? think
2: so. It it um having something terrible like that happen to your character means that you can justify almost anything um, in their reaction and, you know, in their sort of vengeance. A bit like John Wick, isn't it? And his puppy, you know, we we don't mind whatever he does to the bad guys because someone was mean to his dog. Although I didn't get a great sense of like
1: their chemistry, really, I suppose, as well. If this is going to be him trying to end the world for her, Mm. you saw when he went a bit off the rail. She didn't want to know. So, Mm.
2: (laughs) yeah, it is a shame sometimes how female characters especially are written as that two dimensional motivator rather than a Mm. person in and of themselves. But that you, happens a lot. You,
1: but you did have some strong female characters here as well, I suppose, in the Archie and,
2: yeah. and the
1: Carolyn Quentin character as well. I mean, th-
2: yeah. that
1: whole scene with the with the group together did give me a vibe of Slow Horses, Sarah, as well. Yeah, well,
2: it was, yeah, these sort of, like, misfits.
1: Mm. And I think we can safely say that this is the best time travel drama that we've watched on Sky this year. Absolutely. Re- referencing the time traveller's wife. Uh, i mean did you watch any of that side no <laughs> the trailer was enough <laughs> you did well there Very
2: sensible.
1: no no ickiness in this yet oh. <laughs> no grooming jokes or anything like that at all which is always good um, and so yeah so this is all up on now now so you <laughs> knock yourself out we're staying on Sky. This is a new Italian drama called Block 0181. Again, I'll try my best to set this up, but this is, I don't know if you found, there was a lot of characters in this and, and they all looked very similar, young, sexy Europeans and Latino, Latinos, Latinas. Um, but essentially, block, the Block 0181 is a tower block, illegal flats in, in the sort of outskirts of Milan, um, it sort of focuses on a turf war between cocaine dealing youngsters from the block, and uh, they're overseen by a slum landlord called Rizzo, and the La- Latin American pandieros of a group called Misa. And um, they've sort of taken over a disused slaughterhouse near the block. Uh, there's a game of one-upmanship between these groups, um, which results in. Two very violent altercations in the in the episode. It's all seen through the eyes of B, who is, I believe, the sister of one of the leaders of this group. Um, she wants to be in charge, but because she's a girl, she can't basically. She goes out on a sort of a bit of a bender after being threatened by another MISA member. She meets Ludo, who is this middle class sort of oafish character who works Um, As one of these drug dealers, they pose as pizza delivery people to deliver the drugs to their clients. You get the impression that it's going to be almost like a Romeo and Juliet love story going forward when they sort of find out where their loyalties lie in terms of their associations. And the first episode ends when one of B's associates steals Ludo's moped, which contains a large amount of cocaine. Now, Si, I know you enjoy your foreign dramas, don't you? So where where does this one stack up for you? I do. And this one's right up my piazza. I <laughs>
3: love this. <laughs> um, no, I thought this was great. Like you say, it had good-looking people. Uh, many of them, it had the drama, um, uh, the violence, you know, the turf war. You're right, the forbidden love story, Shakespearean Um Element where we're going to go clearly, you know, with you know, father, you know, she's had relations, shall we say, with with the opposing team, so that's going to create no end of problems. Did you? I love those scenes with, um, that I'm going to say the mother character, um, and the daughter, and it was, yeah. you know, life was better before um, my brothers came here, and she said, you know, what I used to clean for three euros an hour. Like this, almost like this criminal life is something to aspire to, you know? And and I also liked the backdrop, you know, those shots where you've got the block, those cut shots, drop, mm. you know, cut scenes. Yeah. You've got the block and the estate. And then just in the distance, you can see the rich, luxurious mm. Milan and everything we associate Milan with. Um, So there's this undercurrent of these two worlds, coexisting side by side and the most important scene i thought of the whole episode was the sort of montage of them explaining how they do deal the drugs and they Mm. have the pizza delivery guy and you know that when all that's explained and they say you know the rich they need the drugs they've got to buy the drugs we supply the drugs we you know that was the important bit because that made you think these two worlds need each other um, and they feed off and 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 thrive off each other, and they need to coexist. And it's a stark reminder because that could be any city. I felt like that was the most relatable thing about it. You know, we we've, we've got all these all this money and this investment in cities, and slap bang next to it um, is normally regular working class poor people trying to make a living. You know, and all of the above and, and and the mix of race and backgrounds that all comes with that and and the different walks of life that all melt, become a melting pot and all the, the stuff that comes from it. I felt it was great. There was just enough danger, just enough sex, just enough <laughs> love story. Um, I'm struggling to find anything too critical about it mm. at this stage.
1: And there were several really sort of striking set pieces, weren't there? They they got you straight in with this initiation process for one of the younger members of the Mesa, you know, who's being beaten up, beaten up for ten seconds or whatever, and then he gets this tattoo in his lip of the the, the yeah. name of the group, you know, you're fully in in with us now there is that scene at the mother's birthday party which is just you know they set off all these what were they like canisters of of, of paint or gas yeah, which, or like, which just like to were mask just them like jump. colored
2: smoke bombs
1: colored smoke bombs where and then they, there's this attack from from the Italians and you know you're seeing all these colors all this violence it it, it just yeah go on.
3: I'm going to say it's even the way the Italians talk about them, like like the South Americans, the Misa, they're a second class citizen, you know, Is, who's the who's the main man? The the cock of the block, as I'll call him, <laughs> Um, you know, who's collecting the rent and he's, you know, he's he's the land, you know, the rogue landlord, the slum yeah. landlord. You know, the, the way they talk about them, I, it, it was un, it, uncomfortable enough for you to sit up and think but not, not so much you can't watch
1: it, you know. Mm. What about you, Sarah?
2: Well, I'm a big fan of the foreign drama too, but I'm less into the gangster stuff. Um, and I found this rather difficult to figure out who was who and what was happening. Um, and I think I got a bit impatient with it. Because like you say, they're all in their sort of like sons of anarchy gangster uniform, the shaved heads, the neck tattoos, the tiny cut off denim shorts for the women. And I had trouble even telling which side the gangsters were on, Um, because I'm not sure. Was I listening to a lot of Spanish and Italian or I can't can't work out what the mix was because my language skills aren't good enough?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Misa were talking Spanish pretty much Mm -hmm. all the way through. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, So that was okay. I, I, I got that. But I just found it really hard to follow what was going on. Um, and I wanted, I mean, B is, is good. B, she's very good. And I can empathise with that. Um, you know, she's definitely got the brains to be the boss. But because she's a woman, she can't be. And her mum is basically telling her to know her place um, and just listen to these like crazy violent relatives of hers who she's not safe to be around but they're in charge so we just have to accept it it's their way or the highway um but I wasn't fussed about any of the other male characters Mm. apart from perhaps Ludo because he's just a little bit unusual um I wrote I didn't realize what his name was and I wrote down oh I've had a, a bit of a personal tragedy this week so my heart is with the idiot boy Ludo who got high and jumped in a swimming pool with his phone with his clothes on wrecking his phone um <laughs> my phone might be R.I.P. this week <laughs>
1: when you said personal tragedy I was
2: like, oh I yeah sorry it? I shouldn't say things like that I? <laughs> I meant a personal tragedy like two out of ten rather than okay ten. okay <laughs> um it was very stylish I was blown away by how it looked um it touches on all of these interesting themes the sexism the racism the poverty um but i just thought it was going too much for style rather than substance Mm. and i was a bit disappointed in that and i tell you what it has made me want to do it's made me want to go back um and watch gamora again and watch the rest of that because that was um similarly set in italy um it was the um the Poverty in the suburbs that were feeding the, you know, the drug habits of the, um, the wealthy um, And that was based on I think a bit like um, The Wire. It was based on um, Journalistic uh, reporting of the real world and I just kind of wanted that a bit more really
0: Here in Key West we were out before it was in in this open and inclusive paradise You can be yourself Make new friends and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife and year round activities and events. It's always a good time to come as you are. Key West close to perfect, far from normal. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer! A hand clapper, a high fiver. I kinda like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Wanted a bit more real and a bit less shiny and i've never seen an attack on gangsters before that reminded me so much of the sony bravia bouncy ball adverts. <laughs> like i'm sorry did you go into the smoke bomb shop or whatever and choose four or five different complementary colors
0: smoke
2: bomb. <laughs> come on now guys come on now <laughs> But I'm really glad that you liked it, You got you brought out all of the themes in a way that I was just being a bit flippant and dismissive of. But it is all there. It's just, do I care enough about these characters to to get back into this world, apart from two or three? The only um, gangster that I was sure of when he turned up on screen was Nicola, the guy in charge of the Italian gang. Because he seems to work as a, a used car salesman. He's very middle-aged and he just seems to constantly wear that weird utility jacket like fishermen wear. You know, he's the one who is not bothered about style. He's just being himself. <laughs>
1: um,
2: I think I'm sort of somewhere
1: in the middle because it did take me a while to sort of get into this. And there was a lot of logistics, I think, <laughs> in terms of where we were. And it, like when Ludo first turned up and he's early for work and they're like, you know, sorting out all the cocaine in the back of this pizzeria and you're like what's going on here but I think when you got the focus sh- shifted to B or B, I, I'm not quite sure how they pronounced her name um, she was a fantastic actress I thought she when she was on screen she sort of led it really well and you sort of saw this really smart girl who sort of knew where she wanted to take this organisation but she had the brains but she didn't have the right genitalia essentially to lead that to lead mm-hmm. the group um and i really enjoyed as i said that that one scene in the with the, the smoke bombs and then the the scene where she meets ludo and you sort of quickly cut from dancing to sex um but and then the sort of the end of it as well but i yeah it's certainly the biggest surprise of the week, because I, I didn't really know a lot about this going in other than sort of the setting and things like that. So definitely surprised me. Um, I mean, I'm not sure where this is going to stack up in terms of when I'll go back to it. I'm, I'm assuming another powwow job for you, possibly, Si?
3: Yeah, I'll get through this and then probably forget it exists. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, not, it's not changing the world, is it? But um, I am enjoying it, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
2: I love it. I love it. That's, sometimes that's all you need. You need yeah. something stylish and fun and a little bit like scary and a bit violent and just yeah, Escapism, just a good
1: time. Isn't it? Escapism, I think. Exactly. It's sexy people doing a lot of violence, and I mean, I saw some. Um, I think it was the Radio Times described it as Gomorrah meets Top Boy was was what they described it as. So, um, again, I there believe this is all going to be up on now uh, so if you want to do uh, a similar job to sigh and watch it all and then forget about it it'll be that oh remember it you know it's up to you um it will be there and now sarah are you where are you on where do you sit on this you, is this one done for you
2: yeah i'm out guys but i, I actually will go back and because i've only seen i think a series and a half of gomorrah and i i sort of I think it's with the really big, dense series is that I I find it difficult to sort of watch the lot. And there's five now, the internet tells me. But I felt that had more substance. And I, I will go back. Because of this, I will go back and watch that one.
1: Now move on to the final show this week. It is a Netflix comedy. It's called God's Favourite Idiot.
2: This is basically Melissa McCarthy's new vehicle on TV. Um, she is uh, in the lead role with Ben Falcone. Um, who turns out is her real life husband. So this is sort of a workplace comedy, I guess, if you can call it that. Um, It is a very normal, very boring um, middle-class guy, um, a tie and a shirt with a jumper over the top at all times, that kind of guy. Um, And for some reason he is struck down by the Lord's Thunderbolt um, and has become God's chosen one uh, no idea why absolutely none (laughs) um so fine he is meant to be the main character the central character the one that i guess the show's title is but he's absolutely railroaded by melissa mccarthy's character amelie um who seems to be the kooky weird drug addict who drinks from a hip flask at work and rides around on a motorized scooter I was very worried that the scene where we're introduced to her character in the staff break room would never end. It was one of the longest scenes in comedy I think I've ever seen. Um, They do this thing with the jokes and it's not just once it's repeated because I I watched two episodes of this um, as instructed. Um, And um, it's those jokes that sort of tail off and sort of are meant to tail off, but they're just not funny. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Like, and, like I
3: the diarrhea. The funniest,
2: exactly. <laughs> I think the funniest bit about it came in the first episode where they referenced the fact that Amelie has changed her name from Emily uh, because, you know, like the French film, it turns out that she has not seen. That's great. Um. So the setup is that Clark uh, wanted to make a move on Amelie and never did, and he regrets it, but I have no idea what the attraction is in that character whatsoever. Um, So his superpowers at the moment seems to be that he glows occasionally. um, And Harry Styles song from 2017 often plays when he's around, Um, that's it for now. Um, And given how important Melissa McCarthy is to say comedy of the past 15 years, certainly on the big screen, I worry about the comedy timing between the two of them. Um, And then no one, I mean, there's a whole, again, there's a whole gang here of, of colleagues Um, who are going to try and figure out what's happened to Clark. But no one gets any decent screen time because she's on screen too much. And the whole sense of it was that it's just bad improv. Like these jokes are set up and go nowhere. Um, Unfortunately, in the first episode, the standout lines to me were death is coming and dragged out torture. They were very unfortunate key phrases that stuck (laughs) in my mind. (laughs) um so uh, in the second episode um we meet an angel so you know god's actually gonna give poor clark a message as to what he needs to be doing but again it's very vague um it's a little bit more tender in episode two as as they sort of begin a relationship together but it's still not enough to make me care about these characters at all um and i wonder if like maybe one of his magic powers now is that Um, he's making Amelie like him after all this time because he was so timid before. So, yeah, it was just unpleasant. And I have to admit that I'm not, I know that people really rate Melissa McCarthy, but I, I don't. And I seem to be possibly one of the only people, certainly one of the only cis women on the planet who doesn't really like bridesmaids. So, you know, take what I say with a pinch of salt. But I just didn't, it just didn't make me laugh. And what do you want from a comedy?
0: Mm.
2: I don't want a clever, clever build-up. I just want to laugh.
1: And this is actually created by Ben Falcone as well as starring. as. The, and one, basically what you said, I saw the, one of the headlines of the reviews for this was Melissa McCarthy manages to ruin her husband's sitcom, which is sort of basically what you just said. <laughs> um, I mean, that blooming Harry Styles song got stuck in my head so much because they just decided... I don't know why they decided that that had to be the song that kept playing because it didn't really have much to do with the plot of him.
2: I would have much preferred Spirit in the Sky, which is when they play When the Angel Arrives. That's mm. a banger. I like that one.
1: Or There Must Be An Angel Playing With My Heart. You know, something yeah,
2: that fits so in with the... Yeah, there were so many to
1: choose from. <laughs> um, maybe we've got to do something that the kids know because it's on, Net, you know, the Netflix algorithms <laughs> of if there's a Harry Styles song in, they'll stay for longer. Um yeah, and there's like, you, you, as you say, the gags go on far too long. There's an extent when the angel comes down, his name is Chamuel, and they can't pronounce, they don't know how to say his name, and that goes on for too long. There's the the boss there who they they give a nickname to, um, and he says, don't oh, call me that. God,
2: Frisbee. yeah. They explain why he's got a nickname, <laughs> and no one cares. Like everyone in the office either knows why he's called that or doesn't care, and the audience certainly doesn't care
1: uh, and there's also apparently in later episodes satan comes down and he's a woman so i don't know what that's trying to say but <laughs> that's a comment on something and um, but yeah I, I mean the essential plot is he's god's messenger and has to prevent the apocalypse and it's like oh you know he's a bit of a
2: but that wasn't explained well at all no. either in episode one or two was it no. it was in the blurb but it wasn't yeah. in the show.
1: No. I suppose that's the scene where the angel comes down is like, but again, nothing was really explained. Everything went on for too long. It wasn't funny. It was very much the Melissa McCarthy show. I mean, I'm sort of hot and cold on her. I mean, I was a massive Gilmore Girls fan back in the day. So I remember her from that. And then, as you say, like bridesmaids onwards, she had that very sort of personality, didn't she? That, you know, this sort of comic personality, which you see in this. I mean, I liked something like *Spy*, where she was more sort of toned down. But here, it was very much autopilot. Melissa McCarthy, like this larger-than-life character who comes in wearing a Christmas tie and is, you know, riding on a shop mobility scooter for no apparent reason. When we first see her, it has these antagonistic relationships with most of the people in the office, and. You know, Clark, the Van Falcone character, is very much sidelined, and is, is, even though this is meant to be his show, you very much sort of forget about him. You've just
3: said everything I was going to say, really. That spy in that, I can watch that over and over and over and over mm. and over again. Uh, Bridesmaids can't stand it, you know. So, so I'm I'm very much the same. So I went into this with a bit of trepidation. Um, I feel like. It's a bit confused. So it started off like you were saying, Sarah, the workplace comedy. And I'm thinking, great, this is going to be fantastic because I love I love me some Parks and Rec and some Superstore. These American workplace comedies, I can just, you know, lap them up and watch them mind numbingly all day. And then this one, though, has this other sort of Bruce Almighty, ordinary person becomes extraordinary confusion, angel flying. Really bad fake smoke effects, you know, and that and that's the side of this show that really doesn't work for me, and that's the main the main plot, you know. Um, I I think the the biggest unsung hero is the supervisor with no authority. We need to see more of him. I think he's the funniest thing on it. Frisbee, yeah, frisbee, and. And and that's the most relatable part of it because you know we've all worked somewhere, we've all taken the mick out of somebody at work, we've all had those conversations around the coffee, at, you know, that kind of thing. And it, obviously it's heightened because it's comedy. I think the times I've found myself laughing or I've caught myself laughing at it is just with the de- Melissa McCarthy's delivery, not actually the gag itself. You know, I, th- I think it's the way she tells them you know, um, and I think that's the only thing that sort of saved it for me, but I, I probably wouldn't recommend it, I think it's no. a bit too confused for me, it's trying to be too many things, um, and as you say, that
1: blooming song. This is part one of two parts, there's going to be 16 episodes of this in.
2: <laughs> what? Wow, Netflix is tanking, they need to reassess that. <laughs>
1: I think part of part of the thing here as well, uh, when we were talking about that awful Mike Myers thing a few months ago was that they seem to just be buying names mm. and really rather than decent project, you know, comedies that make you laugh. Like, let's get Mike Myers, let's get Melissa McCarthy. They've been funny in the past. Let's give them eight, ten episodes.
2: Yeah, it's, it's basically afterwards. giving people who are important or, you know, like a big name giving them free reign isn't it and please like that was probably it's it's got the bones of something that could be funny it just needed a good editor and a couple of people to come in and tighten up the jokes and find some jokes and put them in you know <laughs> it, it's entirely you there need someone to find some jokes find the jokes yeah not, not just <laughs> find some, jokes. some of the punch lines had to be like discovered
1: i think we're all giving this one a, a big thumbs down um but i'm sure it will do Gangbuster numbers on Netflix because it'll be one of those let's just watch all this on Netflix over the weekend type thing. Uh, so yes, yeah, so that is uh, another week on the Custard TV podcast. Uh, do you want to just quickly go through your Twitters and where we can find you again on the internet?
3: You'll find me um, at sbutty is my personal and for um, for my podcast. If you're a home and away viewer, if if you're out there, you one person uh, at Coastal News Pod. <laughs>
2: Oh, I'm sure you can get at least five people. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, they're all on um, the podcast.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. <no> <laughs> well, you know, it's good. It's good to be in a little niche. Um, I am at Sarah Hampsterer for general witterings on Twitter, and then most of my up to date writings are on whynow.co.uk. Uh,
1: and I am at Matt's TV bites. The site is at Luke Custard TV. There is a uh, very lengthy article up at the moment about. Uh, 20 Years of the Wire uh, Very
2: please, good I really enjoyed reading that uh,
1: Please subscribe um on your podcast app of choice and rate and review us We would love some reviews just to let us know what you think of the podcast and the format and if there's anything you'd like us to change uh, We will be back uh, same time next week we have got the new series of only murders in the building which i know luke is very happy about and sarah is doing a little oh, dance yes i can't wait we will talk to you again then thanks very much and goodbye bye rate and review us wherever you find
0: us i think that it's programs like this that help people realize that they're not alone
1: search the custard tv on youtube itunes and facebook